Sai, and this is my podcast where I take on themes exploring culture, society, and the experiences of Nigerians in diaspora. On this episode, I sit with AJ Styles. He's an up-and-coming Nigerian artist and established promoter. We talk about his most recent project, Lost Files, and his approach to music as a whole. As an event promoter and MC, he's been involved in bringing many Nigerian artists to Canada, and we'll get into how he got started, what it takes to organize some of the biggest Afrobeat concerts and events, and how that may have informed his perspective on artists and the music industry as a whole. AJ has stories for days, and his unique position as an artist and event promoter in Toronto provides a good perspective for both Nigerian artists and the everyday concert goer. And yeah, I think that's about it. Enjoy the show. I'm so into you. Thank you for taking yeah. time to join me today. Hey, man, I'm happy to have you here, man. How are you feeling? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm chilling, tired, but feeling good. we're kicking it. <laughs> you're still going. Yeah, yeah man. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't imagine you're tired. Like, everything's open right now. And, you know, knowing that, you know, obviously you do the music thing, um, but you also organize events. So I'm sure you're booked and busy with all this stuff going on. Absolutely, Maji. And I, and I, thank, I thank God still. Can't complain. Nice. Uh, so I mean, booked and busy is always a good thing, bro. Um, um, so you know, I wanted to have you on here today to talk about your most recent project, uh, Lost Files. Uh, okay. I wasn't really too familiar, like I mentioned to you before, I wasn't too familiar. You made music, um, but yeah. I'm super curious about that. Um, also, wanted to get into your thoughts on, you know, just your experience organizing events. You've been doing this for a while now. I want to yeah. say over seven years at least, and that's very conservative, right? Because <laughs> I feel like since being yeah, many yeah. days. About seven or more, even. Just, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, so I, I want to get into that as well, and I think people will be able to learn a little bit um, from that. <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, organi- uh, event organizers get a little slack, and I've been part of people giving them slack. So, <laughs> I think it would be fair to get an understanding of what you go through and how that works. But okay. first, um, you just dropped a project. It's called Lost Files. Yeah. And um, it's a really dope vibe. Like, you know, it was a surprise. It was interesting. And, uh, you know, I've been jamming little bits of it. And, you know, I'm going to make sure to put a little uh, clips here and there um, on this episode. Okay. But um, I'm curious just to get right from the start. You know, when exactly did you get in, into music? And, you know, or at least when did you have this idea of like, okay, I want to start making music? Um, I've, I've always had it, to be honest. Music, I think... I do a lot of stuff, but I think music has always been my first love from childhood even. So I always knew I was going to do music from time. In high school, you know, I, when it's time to sing or lead the choir, you know, they always call me. Um, so it's always been there. Um, I did a couple tracks back in high school, Nigeria, before I moved to Canada. Um, and then when I, got, when I got to Canada, you know, things just got very, very hard. And then, um, you know, I just lost my way. I lost my way in music long time um and then you know I, I just focused on promoting and being an mc that's how i got into the whole entertainment uh, industry in canada and then um one day uh, brian 
Uh, he's a producer, Brian. Massive yeah, producer. on one of your songs, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, a, pro- he's mm-hmm. a very good producer. Like he's working, he's working with YC and um, a, lot, a lot of guys in Nigeria at the moment. The guy's big now. But anyway, he invited me to come to the studio to listen to some of his tracks because at the time he was still like an artist producer type of guy, but now he's focused on producing. Uh, so he wanted me to come listen to some of his tracks. He's like, yo, bro, just call me and listen to my track. And I'm like, yeah, cool. So I went there, listening to his songs. I'm just bumping to it. They were really good. Uh, I'm trying to remember the exact track because we made one track before we made the other one that I featured him. Bro, I can't remember the name of this track. But anyway, so there's this song he was playing that was so good. And I, I fell in love with the song, so I just started singing the song. And then... There's this other artist called Tommy Guns. He was in the studio. So when I was singing the song, Tommy Guns was like, yo, AJ, you got vocals. What are you doing? Like, because I was just always like, nah, nah, nah. He's like, nah, AJ, jump on this. And he wasn't even his song. <laughs> and he's like, AJ, jump on this. I'm like, no, bro, I stopped doing music. <laughs> uh, and he's like, no, nah, AJ, you have to jump on this. I'm like, okay, I know no inspiration. Like, I can't write right now, bro. I just keep chill and listen to this guy's song. And then Tommy Guns pulled out his phone and started writing this, writing a verse for me. Like right there, I'm like, ah, this guy is serious. And Brian's like, yeah, yeah oh, wow. that's what you can do. You know, jump on it. And this is a track that was like pretty much done. So I'm standing there, Tommy Gones wrote the verse, and I just went with the flow. I sang it. I sang it word for word, the exact same way he wrote it, the way he harmonized it. And then Brian put out the track, and everybody around York, you know, at the time, just messaging me, yo, AJ, your verse was mad. Wow, what's happening? What's going on? Was that, was that Shakara? No, it's another track. Brian took it off because it's on my SoundCloud. You know, I'm, I'm going to try and look for it. It's on my SoundCloud, but I can't, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, I okay, just can't remember okay. the name yeah, of the song. Yeah. If I, if I, yeah, no worries. If I find it, I'll, 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 uh, I'll throw it in there. But yeah, so 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 you they, they basically get you to, to put out this track. So what was that feeling like? Is that where you're like, okay, you know what? Maybe I can get back into this. Like, What's your feeling once you're getting that positive reaction? Yeah, I was, I was, um, at first I knew people were not, I was, to be honest, I was not nervous or afraid. I just felt like people were going to be because when I went to MCN, I have a very, you know, I use this cracked DM kind of voice because I know how to switch my tone. Like I don't, it's always been control for me. I know how to make it light. I know how to make it deep or crack. Yeah, I think I noticed that a little bit. On stage, I <laughs> yeah, even my music, sometimes I don't sound the same. Um, so when I'm on stage, I, I sound like a fat DMX, like a big man. Uh, so people do not expect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people don't expect that, you know, hype man with a big cracked voice to come and, you know, harmonize on a the track. They, they, didn't, they didn't see it coming. All right. So a lot of people at first were like, ah, Jane, I was too soon. I no way, this is AJ Styles. Even, even till now, I still put out songs and people are like, what? That's you? And then sometimes they make me sing right in front of them. <laughs> so they are sure that it's actually oh, me. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, it is me. <laughs> so, um, oh, wow. so when that track came out, I, I got a lot of that. Like, nah, it's not you. It's auto tune. Da, 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 da. I'm like, you know what? It is what it is. But that day with Brian and Tommy Guns in the studio, that was where the, the spark just reignited from. And then I'm like, you know what? I might as well. So I just started making tracks nonstop since then. Um, 
now I have a whole catalog of a lot of music I'm yet to put out. Nice. Okay, so there's a lot more music coming there. Oh, absolutely. I have a whole project. In fact, Lost Files wasn't even the project I was supposed to put out. I have I have another project that, you know, it's just the mixing is taking time. And then I'm just like, Lost Files is ready because that's exactly what it came from. Lost Files. I had so many, I had all these tracks that I knew I was going to put out as singles. And at the same time, they were already mastered. So they were just on my laptop. So I didn't even finish. I didn't put all of them out. I just picked out like four. So I'm like, you know what? These songs, I have them. They are fully mastered. And I've had some of them since like 2017. I'm like, okay, let me just put them together in a project. And yeah, Lost Files. The files that I thought I was never going to do anything with. And then I just put them together. That became the project. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, because I was curious about that. I was like, hey, what, what, were, what were you going for here? You know, what, what was it the name? Was it as the name implied? And it is as the name implied. Absolutely, exactly as it implies. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I think I think that makes sense, and I think it's good too because then it kind of just lets people know that like you're just exploring different themes, which is kind of what I got from the project. Like, I mean, it's, yeah. there's still I, I still get the idea. Like, it's obviously Afrobeats, but yeah. I feel like there's some R and B vibes there. So I'm curious, like. Where where do you t- where do you draw your inspiration from? And what I mean by that is, um, where you know which artist or which style are you essentially going for? Is that something you're still figuring out? As in, oh. as you're slowly getting back into things, or do you know exactly what your sound should feel like? To be honest, I I fall in love with a with a with a with a beat or an instrumental or an idea. Uh, when I first started. Um, when I or when I restarted in 2017, um, I wanted to just focus on doing Afrobeat. Um, but being in the studio, and I realized that you know what, I don't want to force anything. So I started um, just, you know, being an artist. I'm not trying to be a star. I'm trying to be an artist. So I mm. I, I like how people go and listen to my songs that I put out in 2018. Or when they discover some of the songs I put out in 2018, they then call me and be like, "Yo, guy." That song's amazing. Or they message me, people that I don't even know from France or whatever. And they message me like, yo, I had to look for you, look for your Instagram. This is a really good song. And that's a song that I put out three years ago. So I don't I don't want to be, you know, I'm versatile. I think I'm very versatile. And I don't want to be the guy that's caught up with just being a star now. I, I believe, you know, it sounds historical, but I believe that one day they will discover my music and think, wow, you know, Look at all this stuff that this guy has done over time. Um, mm. So I, I, I started becoming an artist. I, I want to make one song, fall in love with that song, know that, okay, this song is an old school vibe. It has this, it has this. I want to make it this old school R&B kind of vibe, write to it, take my time, get it mastered. Um, so that's what I started doing eventually. Like when I get into the studio now, I don't just go there and be like, okay, this is exactly what is involved and I want to do this. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I try to just fall in love with that moment, fall in love with the beat, and create something that I know that yes, I I give it my all, and it's not about just one type of music. Mm. So Lost Files, if you listen to it from track one to five, I believe they're five tracks. Yeah. That all the songs sound different, and right. I also sound different in some of the songs. Like there's yeah. a song. He <laughs> definitely did. Yeah. So there's, there's some songs that. You know, you're listening to it and it's like all R&B from beginning to the end. 
And there's another one that's Afrobeat. Um, there's another one that's just old school Afrobeat. Like there's a the song, Skin right. J. Lamba, is it Lamba? Yeah, Lamba. Yeah, exactly. The guy that made it, that was his first beat ever. And he could not Really? Believe yeah. And he could not believe that I wanted to jump on it. He's like, are you sure this beat is so old school? I'm just practicing. I'm like, yeah, I like the beat. I like yeah. the song. I right. It, it definitely is reminiscent of that. And it's just like, yeah, you know, me, yeah, I will give you. <laughs> I'm, exactly. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna mess it up. I'll just put the music here. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely gives that vibe. So I feel like you're still in that exploratory stage. Then, like you're. I, I don't. Like, I don't think this is ever going to end with me. Ah, like, I, gotcha. I, yeah, I think God help me. I blow up tomorrow. I'm always gonna pick up something new and be like, "Yo, I like the sound and I want to do it." And mm. because I like it and I did it and I'm in love with it, I'll put it up. If there's somebody that feels somebody out there that feels exactly as I feel, and then they're going to relate to it. Mm. Um, so I just I think I'm always going to be like that I'm never going to stick to one type of sound and do the same thing over and over I'm always going to be an artist and because the truth is you know thank God I'm not starving I do music because I love it not because I'm trying to make it buck you know mm. so I'm always going to do music just because I love it nothing else so uh, I'm, I'm going to stick to that principle mm. I, I like that and I respect it um, so, so I guess that like leads me to this next question, right? Um, okay. You know, like, does that mean that you don't, ex so if it, you're not trying to make it a full-time thing right now, you're just having fun or you're just basically expressing yourself through it is what I'm getting from what you're saying. But um, if it, if it becomes a full-time thing, is that something that you're pushing for or you're just going to allow it like come if it gets to that point? How are you looking at that aspect um. of it? To be honest, at, at this point, I believe I've done everything. Uh, you know, they, when I first, when Oriente came out, you know, it had so much potential. That was one of my tracks. Mm -hmm. And, you yeah. know, the, the, streaming, the streaming went through the roof. Um, so I decided to put a lot of money in it, put a lot of my personal funds in it, mm -hmm. promoting it in Nigeria, not even in Canada. But even to today, uh, the song is still bigger in Canada than it is anywhere else in the world. Um, mm. But we paid MTV. We paid. Uh, we paid all the TV stations. Oh wow! All the radio like MTV Base and yeah. uh, nine three point seven and all of that. Everybody, everybody, we paid. Mm. People stole my money. Name it. <laughs> so, um, so at the end of the day, I, I, you know what? God knows that I, I tried. I gave him my all, and my new system is not to do that anymore. My new system right. is to make the song so good that somebody will listen to it and be like, yo, this is a dope track and share it with their friend. Um, right. It's a slower process, to be honest. It's this very slow process, but it's, it's, it works and it's the truth. Mm. The song is very good. It's properly mastered. Because of that, in the next five years, you play it, it's still going to sound new. Um, so race, recently, with this project, Lost Files, mm -hmm. just like you just heard it, I put it out. I did not pay anybody to help me do anything. I just put it out by myself. And it's before, I, just a few hours before I got on this podcast, one girl just sent me a long voice note about how she loves the project. And I don't know mm. her. 
you know, and, and that's actually when it's the sweetest because when you don't know the person, you know they're telling the truth because you don't know them. Right. You know, it's right. not your friend that's trying to just, you know, sweeten you. you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what it is. And she's like, yeah, her friend introduced her to, to, you know, sent her the track and told her to listen to it. And she's like, what? She can't even believe that. I, I think I know this AJ Styles guy. So I'm using the method that, you know, the man them used back in the day. <laughs> word of mouth. Yeah, word of mouth and Cisco. And that's how Cisco's tracks blew up because he just dropped it and then one DJ pick it up here and there and then it starts going. So mm. my new method is not to pay all the blogs anymore for them to post just one time in one day. Um, and I get all the royalties for my songs. So God help me, any of my songs should blow up tomorrow and do 100 million views I'll get all the royalties for that. I'm not sharing anything with anybody. So uh, for me, that's what I'm doing. I'll do quality music. I'll put it out. My friends will listen to it. People will listen to it. And God willing, they will continue sharing it forever. So that's how I see it. Or maybe a good record label will come come through and say, yeah, let's work on this. And they, they propose something nice. I'm down for it. I'm down for it. But I do, I do take it seriously. Because okay. that's another thing. Sorry to cut you off. That's another thing. That, uh, some people think because, um, you know, not just me, some of the other artists in Toronto as well, because we have more than one or two things going on, that we don't put all of the effort into the music. It, it's not true. We, we pay a whole lot of money to get this sound right. It's still not as perfect as we want it to be. It's still not on whiskey and give those level. But right. we still pay a lot of money. Like some of the guys that, that worked on this project are the same guys that worked with Nara Mali and David Doe in Nigeria. The same guys. Timmy J, he's big. He's Timmy J has been on almost, he has worked with almost every big artist. Bonaboy, name it. He has worked with those guys. And I worked with him on, on one of the songs on this project. What and song I, was that? Uh, Dance. That's the song featuring uh, DJ Elvis. Say my baby love to dance so Make everybody give I'm chasing you Yeah She has the party don't be hot DJ Elvis bring them back She fit to set up the alarm Yeah Say my baby love to dance so Say my baby love to dance So that's Timmy J mix and master that song. And he worked on it for like four months. Um, and I have his number and we are communicating. And I'm paying him the same amount that those other guys in Nigeria, the superstars, are paying. Mm. You know? And I'm not and I'm not rich. <laughs> you know, I'm paying the same money that David O and Whiskey are paying. Um, because we want the sound to be just as good. We are we are really giving it our best. Mm. Um, so I know how much money guys in Toronto put into their music and how much work they put into it. And some people just don't appreciate it because they think mm, they don't even listen to it because they just think, ah, oh, this guy is just he's just playing around. But no, um, he's, the guy is not just playing around because if we're playing around, this songs will not be good enough to just appear on different playlists without us even paying for them. Right. Um, right. But yeah, I, I, I do I do put in the effort for sure. Yeah, I, I you know I think it was important for you to point that out. I, I was curious myself. I mean, I didn't assume that you didn't, but I was. It's always important to kind of get a 
perspective on you know where you feel like you are you know so some yeah. people self like they might be afraid and say hey you know i'm not sure how i feel i'm still trying to figure myself out and which is fine too you know what i mean it doesn't like you said it doesn't mean that they're not putting in the amount of effort that they can so um i think it's important for you to have pointed that out and like let people know um yeah. One of the things I was thinking about, right, as you just said, like, you know, a, a, a lady called you and just told you how much she enjoyed the project. I noticed that a lot of your music is about women or <laughs> it's, I know, obviously, you know, it's for women, but it feels like you're talking about some interesting stories there. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm curious if there are any real experiences that inform those lyrics. Most of, uh, it, it, this also plays with me being versatile. So if any girl, maybe from the past, that I've had something to do with is listening to some of my songs, they'll be like, what? This guy's talking about me. It is very <laughs> possible that, yeah, it's very possible. That I'm talking about one girl, you know, on verse one, and then verse two, I'm talking about another girl. And right. re- real life, you know, it's real life stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I'm ver- when I say I'm versatile, I, I believe it. I don't deny it. I'm not one of the guys that will raise their hands and be like, yeah, I'm the best writer in the world. I write all my songs. But I do believe I'm a dope-ass writer. But I, um, yeah, I draw a lot of life um, experiences. Um, I put a lot of life experiences into my music. And I also, um, I can't find the word. When somebody writes for me, I believe it. believe it so much. Right. When I'm I'm it, I channel it. That's the word, my brother. So... Mm. For Lost Files, um, there are two songs there that Pablo wrote. Um, The first song, the first track of the project, I did not write it at all. That's you. Show you, yeah, barely a word. Um, and somebody, some girls listen to that song and they were like, "Yo, you know, you were you were so deep on that track, bro. You were singing." I'm like, "Yeah, but I didn't write it. Pablo wrote it. In fact, it was a full song that he did not want. Um, I think no, sorry, that was Into You. Into You was a song that he did not want on his project. And I'm like, "Yo, bro, please give me the song." I wrote my verse, but everything else Pablo did on that song, the, the chorus, the, the beats, everything he did. Yeah, so, I really like that one. Yeah, so sometimes it's okay if I'm in the studio and there's a there's, I, there's a guy I trust, I know I know this guy can write, like Pablo or Tommy Guns, and they want to write for me, I'm all for it. Um, like the last track on the project, uh, We Rolayo, we wrote that song, like two, we, wrote, we spent like two days writing that song. And even the instrumental was in my head. So, and I knew the the only... So this was before you had the instrumental or... Yeah, before I had the instrumental. Before we so had, you had, so had, you had the melody in your head that you were essentially trying to write to. Exactly. Exactly. I was, I was driving back from work and the melody came to me. The, the rhythm for the chorus came to me. The dun, 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 dun. So I just knew that this was old school vibe. Right, know, classic R and B vibes, man. That's that's definitely exactly. Yeah, so you know, it came to me. I know, you know, uh, uh, what's it called Flames. Flames is, is is so creative, and I called him. I'm like, yo, bro, you're the only guy I know that can make a beat from scratch in, in ten minutes. You know, we went to the studio. He came with all his stuff. 
And we just sat down there and started making this thing beat by beat, word for word, we were writing, and that's how we came up with the track. And then if you listen to it, you know that Rolayo followed the same rhythm that I followed to, to write her own verse. Um, but I wrote my verse, and then she followed my rhythm, and then that's how we, you know, we put the track together, both of us, plus Flames. Um, so every process is different. And I have songs that I just go into the studio, we're playing around, and I just, 10 minutes, the song is done. And then everybody's like, yo, this track is a dope track. And then there are other songs that I spent like four days still trying to put it together. So for me, every process is different. And I'm not right. the guy that say that, oh, this is exactly how I write. This is exactly mm-hmm. how I record. Nah, yeah, that's not me. So it sounds like a more open-minded approach to to really just kind of creating, it seems. Absolutely. You don't seem to have any lines or boundaries. Like you're very willing to go wherever you need to go to get the sound right. Yeah. How do you know when the sound is right, though? Um, you feel it, my brother. You feel it. This is true. <laughs> you feel it. And sometimes it's okay to compare, not, not artists. Like every good artist out there don't want. Like I don't like people telling comparing me as much or trying to tell me to be somebody else, that's the one I hate the most. You know, you can tell me, hey, you sound like this guy, you sound like that guy, cool. But if you tell me, oh, why don't you make a song like this, like this person or like that person, you know, that don't fly with me. So I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't roll that way. But yeah. I compare sounds. Sometimes you want to make sure your sound is as modern as possible so it stays in the market for a long time. Mm. Because, you know, if the sound, when I mean sound, I mean, I'm talking of mixing and mastering, not the genre of the music. Ah, okay. So gotcha. the, the sound has to be as clean as possible. So when they play, when someone plays it, they can vibe to it. And then when they switch the track to another modern track that's out, you know, out in the day, uh, you know, it's not like you're listening to David O on his on volume ten, and then because they switch to your your track and volume just dropped to volume four. Wow, yeah. So, you know, there are some tracks like that. They're not properly mixed and mastered. So I always try to make sure that I get that aspect right. Um, and I put a lot of effort into making sure that the sound comes out just as good as I like it. I have to feel the track first and think, okay, this is a good track. So I critique myself first before anybody else. <laughs> yeah, sounds like you might. Yeah, it's like, like you have to be your toughest critic, right? You have to be. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so you mentioned a couple of people. You mentioned, you know, Rolayo, who I, I, I see on the track, and it seems like you've done another track with her in the past. Um, you talked about Tommy Gons, Pablo. Uh, so how do you find, you know, the people that you end up collaborating with? Is it just a small niche of group people that you trust, um, or did it just happen naturally? How, how did that all come together? I'm always curious about that. That's true. I'm, I'm trying to think how I met Rolayo. So, yeah, it is... I think most mostly everything. I, I depend a lot on my friends, um, and I don't have too many friends. But the ones I have, I depend a lot on them for everything. Like I owe them everything: the promotion, my events, my my career, everything I do. I have friends that you know. Some friends I've had for years. You know, Kenya is one of them too. Um, that I depend on a lot for everything. So I remember that fire dancer track. I did not know flames at the time. I've been. I was working with Brian too much, and he was exhausted because he was the only guy really making waves at the time. Um, he was exhausted. Everybody wanted to work with Brian, 
and YC wanted to work with Brian. Everyone wants to work with Brian. And he was exhausted. He didn't have enough time for me, to be honest. Um, plus, he was trying. It's not like I did not see his effort, but the guy can only record for so many people. Right. So I was looking for another producer. I'm like, yo, give me, link me up with someone, anybody. And then I called uh, Bolu. Bolu. I'm a fan of Bolu's music too. I called Bolu. I called Skilo J. Skilo J then told me about uh, uh, Flames. But he was not sure about Flames because I don't think they ever worked together. But it's like, yeah, I know this one guy and he make beats, but I don't know, man. If you, you know, Bram is the best guy, but you can, you can check him out. Mm-hmm. So I, I hit up Flames. He seemed like a nice guy. I went to the studio. I'm like, yeah, just play me some, bro. He's like, oh. At first, he, you know, producers always do that. They listen to an artist and they think, okay, this is, this is what this artist is going to be like. So at the time, I only had one track out, so one or two. So when I got to his studio, he was just playing everything I already heard before. I'm like, yo, bro, just play me something, anything. <laughs> don't play me what you think I want to hear. So he played like, I don't know, maybe 15 tracks. But I swear to you, the moment I heard fire, that fire dancer beat, I knew that beat was different. And I told him I want the beat. And he said that he, he partially sold it to someone already. I'm like, what do you mean partially? It's like, oh, he gave them his word, but they were yet to pay. I'm like, okay, no problem. So I went home. And I told him, okay, send me another beat. And he sent me like three other beats. But it was not the same. I kept my mind kept on going back to that fire dancer one. So I'm like, yo, bro, I ain't gonna lie to you. I want this beat. Give me the beat. If they have not paid for it, call them and you know, and he's like, okay, no problem. And he called the guys and he said he gave them an, an ultimatum and they did not pay. So I'm like, yo, here's the money. I gave him the money, which was not a lot to be honest at the time. I gave him the money and he's like, yeah, bro, let's record. And then I started, like, sometimes when I have a beat, I just play the beat in my car and I'm just harmonizing. Um, but I knew a female vocal had to be on that track just to sweet, just to sweeten it. So I already had the fire dancer, I had all the rhythm, I had all of that. And I knew I, I knew I needed a female vocal to sweeten it. So I'm like, and then I started asking everybody because I did not know anyone at the time that was singing, any girl that was singing, um, in Toronto at the time, they were doing Afrobeat or anything. So one of my friends at Diola, they told me about Rolayo. Like, oh, I have this friend that sings. Rolayo at the time didn't have any track out, not one. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm telling you, she had nothing. So I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Let, let's let's all meet in the studio. So I invited Rolayo. She made, I think that was the first day we met. So she came to the studio. Me, Rolayo, and Flames were there. Then we started creating fire dancer. I had writer's block. I did not know what to do with the verses. I only had the chorus that I, you know, that I harmonized from days ago. And Relia was like, AJ, let me write something for you. And she started writing the verses. So Relia wrote the verse one <laughs> of fire dancer. And then I did the chorus and then I did verse two. And we thought the track was perfect and we were happy. And then Skiloji then came to the studio to just see what Brian was doing because he was looking for a producer. I said Brian, sorry, Flames. Because he was looking for a producer as well. And so when he showed up, he listened to the track. He's like, AJ, I have to jump on this track. Bro. I'm like, bro, no, we're complete. You know, I just need a babe on the track. That is it. I don't want I don't want a guy on it. I liked Skilo J at the time, but I did not see how he was going to fit on that track. And he's like, yo, just let me do something. Let me do something. I'm like, okay, no problem. And this, while this guy was making those promises, he dozed off. <laughs> he dozed off. 
while we were making this trial, this guy slept off. I'm just like, you see, he was not serious in the first place. So myself and Flames were trying to just patch up the track. I was doing some backups. And next thing, he woke up from his sleep and said, hey, JJ, give me the mic, give me the mic, give me the mic. Like, what do you mean? He said, give me the mic, give me the mic. And we gave him this guy the mic and he just jumped on it. And that's how my guy did his verse. One take. He didn't write. I'm telling you. Are you serious? I'm telling you. To this very day. One take. That must must have been interesting to see. You know, just somebody wake up from sleep and just go into the booth. We were blown away. He did one take. The track fit. Because when we were recording at the time, we had like, I don't know. The track was like two minutes and 30 seconds. So the track actually ran out. And he kept on going. He just kept on rapping. The track was done. And he just kept on going. And I'm just like. No, flames are trying to stop him. I'm like, no, let him continue. And he finished. I'm just like, wow. Then I did the backup for him because after that, he was so exhausted because my guy was high. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he was exhausted. He was like, oh, yeah, that he's going back to bed. And he slept off. That's how this guy came about that verse. I did the backup vocals for him. Wow. <laughs> I'm telling you, one take. He did not do anything else. After that one take, he didn't do anything else. No backups, nothing. I did the backups for the track. Just changed my voice a little bit to try and sound like him. Um, and then we sent it off to uh, one guy in Nigeria called Santi to master it. And so, it, exactly. So that track happened on a day that I did not know Rolayo, on a day that I did not invite Skilo J to the studio. I did not know he was even coming there. I just, nigga just showed up from nowhere. So Fire Dancer came about, and that's that's my biggest track actually in terms of streaming. Fire Dancer is by far my biggest song, um, and it just that's how it happened. I woke up that morning not knowing that I was going to meet somebody called Rulayo or Skilji was going to come into the studio and drop this mad verse, um, and there, boom, we had a we had a, a beautiful song. Um, wow! So that's how <laughs> it, it just was randomly put together, just like that. You can you can use the word randomly, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so before we switch gears, I'm curious, right? So you talked about a couple of people that you work with. Are there any other Toronto artists that you would like to work with? And you know, and if we can only expand that beyond Toronto if you want. Although I'm pretty curious about that, but also Niger, like you know, just anybody back home that would be a dream to work oh, with. Oh man, there are too many, yo. <laughs> I know, there's right? So there's so many people out here these days. Too many the, people doing the, great work. The, we we can focus on Toronto then. Actually, I'd like to start with Nigeria, so i just get it out of the way. Okay. I think one guy I would really, or two guys, actually, that I would really love to work with. Number one is Wandeko, uh, just because mm. I just think the guy is a genius, you know. I, I fucking love him. I love every, I love his music. I love his energy, his vocals, everything. Mm. So I'd like to, to be in the studio with that guy and learn and work with him and make a, and make a mad tune. I just I feel like me and Wandeko on the track, Together with dope uh, uh, producer, we could really make something. I, I truly and really believe it all my heart. Mm. And then I, I would like to make a track with Files. I believe I can make it. I can make a nice, nice song that this guy would just come uh, and drop a mad verse, mm. just a cheesy verse. So I would like to work with those two guys. Um, Any funny, producers? I, 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 I was even going to come to that. Funny, I, I always. Um, I'm, I'm not really too keen on producers like that. I, I always want to know who engineered the song. Because um, sometimes I hear a sound, I'm just like, this sound is too clean. So producers, mm. being a producer is one thing. And, and trust me, they deserve all the credit in the world. 
But then being the guy that engineers the track, those are the people that people don't even talk about. Right. Maybe mixing and mastering. People don't talk that's, about And that's people. everything. It is everything. Exactly. So the, the mixing and mastering, if this if the sound is not clean, it, a great sound is useless. Because it will sound like rubbish. So you need somebody that knows exactly what they're doing and know how to fine-tune that track to come out nice and neat. And for the longest time, I've always wanted to work with TY Mix. It's just that he's incredibly expensive. <laughs> but TY Mix is the guy, I believe, if I make some really dope tunes and I send it to him, I think he, he can flip it into magic. He's so big right now that he has guys that work for him. But I want him to be the guy to do my track, not one of his boys. Um, because, you know, we send tracks to them and they just give it to one, one guy that, you know, that they're teaching to do the track and send it back and they still put the tag on it. Um, right. But, but you can hear the difference. Thank you. Exactly. I can hear it. I can spot it. The moment I'm like, nah, this is not the real T.Y. mix. But when you hear the song with, you know, the one that Basketball album, he mixed the entire album, the Basketball album that came out last year. Mm. That's that's T.Y. mix. If you listen to that album from the beginning to the end, every sound in place, every kick, every drum, every everything in place. There's nothing that's too loud or too low. Beautiful project. Mm. I, I, I did three for T.Y. mix. He's the one I want. <laughs> um, but yeah, in terms of engineering, I, I really want to work with T.Y. mix by all means. Um, in Toronto, I have this dope track with Omar that for some reason... Havil is in charge of the track. He refused to let us drop it. Um, I, I've worked with Omar twice already now, but that song that we made was so good that I, I would like to work with him again um, because he's so versatile. Like, if you're in the studio with Omar, he does everything. The guy's producing, he's writing, he, he can, you know, you, you sing a verse and he can tell you how to make it even sound better. Um, he, he can tell you exactly where to be, where to be, so the mic will sound the type of way. The guy is incredibly talented. Um, so th that one studio session I had with him, I'm just like, wow. I was, I was honestly learning, and actually that's the first thing I do if I'm working with people. I'm learning, even the ones that, you know, that are just starting. I'm learning. I'm listening to everything they're saying. I'm trying to see how I can, I can take you know one or two things and and make my own sound better. So. <clears throat> Um, okay. but I'm, I, not, I like, I'm not familiar with Omar's music, but I'll definitely keep an eye out for it now. Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody in Canada should be listening to that guy. I think he is. I think he's our senior in the in the in the Afrobeat, <laughs> Afrobeat Canadian market, whatever they want to call it. Right. I think it's him. He's number one, and then the rest of us. We, we I think we're still playing catch up with him in terms of sound. Wow. Yeah. Every I, there are so many there are so many dope artists in in, in Canada, Afrobeat yeah. artists. I'm not trying to offend anybody. That's no, 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 no. Here, yeah, yeah, exactly. That is my I understand. Personal opinion, but then there are so many of us that I also rate because I put these guys in my events. I listen to their songs. I download their songs. I rate them big time. It's just that for mm -hmm. me personally, I've moved Omar uh, musically to. A, it's not even like he's my best friend. It's not like we hang out every day. Like obviously, I love the guy. He's my he's my friend, but you just respect the artistry. Yeah, his artistry. I just think he has done enough work. Um, he has a he has a lot of songs out too. He has done projects, name it, songs, a lot. So he has done enough work. He has earned that credibility to be put aside from the rest of us. But yeah. I, I'm trying to catch up soon. 
<laughs> I like that. I like that energy. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious then, uh, where would you say you draw inspiration from? And it doesn't have to be now, you know, because I know you, you like to explore a bunch of different things. But even what your formative years, like what kind of music were you, did you kind of enjoy or at least imprint on? Um, I think me being a versatile artist also comes from that. I, I, I listened to a lot of the music that my elder brothers were listening to when I was growing up. And they all had different music tastes. Um, my eldest brother, um, he's he's he liked rap music. And he also mm. liked Cisco. He liked DMX. And I love DMX. I picked up all those things from him. Mm. So, and then there's my other brothers that like Afrobeats. And they would not listen to anything but Afrobeat or Makosa. So, me being the younger brother, I had no choice. I, 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 you know, I was not in charge of the remote <laughs> or the radio. <laughs> so, exactly. Imagine all your big brothers are arguing on what to listen to or what to play. I'm too small to be in that argument. Don't bother. Exactly. Don't bother. Exactly. There was no point. And then, so I, I was the guy that was just there listening to everything that everybody else was listening to. And my dad loved Michael Jackson. So at night, every day after work, he's playing Michael Jackson on the weekend. Mm. And then I'm there sitting in front of the TV and I'm watching everything. So I really think I picked up, you know, one thing here, another thing here. And then might sometimes some of my tracks just come from emotions. Um, the, this, the track I wrote with Bulayo, every word I meant, every single word, I was really writing to somebody. Reasons. You know? I can't stand knowing that you with another man. Exactly reasons. He was about one particular person. Every word. Yeah, that, that, it felt like it. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I cannot, I cannot even deny it. And I, and, and and that person does know that if she ever listens to that song, she would know exactly that. She would know I'm talking to her. Mm. You know. So every song is different, but that song, the inspiration came. The the writing of the song came from that. How I was feeling about that person at the time. So. I wrote a letter to that person, but instead of sending the letter to her, I put it in a song. And that's that's what it is. Ah, so Babes and I were coming to find you to write write your own letter to them. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's dope. That's dope. Okay, I wanna switch gears now. Okay, I wanna okay. get into, you know, you organizing concerts and events from time. Um, okay. You're known as Mr. Sold Out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're. I, I, I feel like you've done events here in Toronto and cities around Canada. And to my knowledge, you've brought out people like Adikumi Gold, Flavor, MI, just to name a few. Um, yeah. You know, add more bigger names if I'm if I'm missing them. And if you're not organizing, you're probably emceeing or doing both at the same time. So right off the bat, I'm curious, what would you say is the best event you've been involved in and why? Oof, yeah, that, that's very tough. Um, that that would be very tough to pick one. <laughs> it would be very That's tough. I, I don't even think it's possible for me to pick one event. And honestly, okay, you want to pick top three? At every, I think we should break the question down. If you say the best event I've ever been involved in, there is not one because there are so many. 
And I think we should break it down to okay, maybe the best performer or the one that the best promoter, the best <laughs> break, break, break it down a little bit. <laughs> okay, okay. What's the best event you've organized? Like you were involved in bringing the artist here, everything worked out the way you had hoped or uh, better than you expected. I would say that is the last Caribana exchange I did. It's called mm. the Caribana Exchange. We did it, we do it in, uh, during the Caribana period. Um, I hardly enjoy my events because I'm working my ass off. You know, I'm trying to make sure everybody's happy, trying to put things in place. You know, nothing is ever perfect. But usually for my events, if I'm there five hours, I'm walking around for five hours trying to help everybody. Um, the last Caribana Extreme event that I did is by far, I think, the best event I've ever done. Why is that? Um, first, it was the biggest crowd. <laughs> I think we had almost 3,000 people. So... Oh wow! Uh, we, you know, there are not many promoters doing those numbers. So it was the biggest crowd. We had a lot of people. The pictures are unreal, and you're looking at the pictures, and looks people look like ants. So first, we didn't expect that. We knew it was going to be big, but we didn't expect it to be that big. We sold out on everything, um, and then one of the coast performers just took it to the next level. So the, the that event. Wanda Cole was supposed to be a guest performer because he was he was in town. He was in Toronto. He already had his concert. He, he, there was a whole Wanda Cole live in Toronto concert. So when he was done with that concert, he went to Calgary. He picked up a couple of gigs around Canada, like private gigs. Um, and then somehow he ended up in my younger brother's studio. My, my younger brother does music as well. <laughs> he's oh, really? Yeah, he's in Calgary. But he does. He he, does, he hasn't put out anything. Funny enough, but he he has a whole studio, big studio. He records. He he does. You know, he does everything. So Wanda Cole was recording in his studio at the time. So I'm like, yo, and I told him, yo, talk to Wanda Cole. I would love to have him. You know, be a guest performer at you know our event. And I I honestly did not know how the conversation was gonna go. My brother pitched it to him, and he said yes. So. I then spoke to K-Popsy. K-Popsy was the guy that was in charge of him at the time. K-Popsy is one of my guys. He's a boss man. And we just worked out logistics really fast. And then he said that when the code did not want to perform more than one song. At the time, we did not have a choice. That was, that was the only thing. They said, oh, he's going to show up, but he's going to perform only one song. And that's it. Like he does, it's not, it's, it's not negotiable. And wow. I'm like, okay. He's just going to perform one song. They say, yeah, yeah, that's it. He's only performing one song and we're paying him for the guest appearance. That's it. I'm like, okay, cool. So we accepted the deal because me, myself, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. So I wanted to, I wanted the guy to be there. Because I wanted right. to see him and just, I wanted him to be there for myself. I was, I was paying the money for myself. I didn't even care about anybody else. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. When you said, oh, I want a cool performance, I was like, okay, that is definitely why, it, that's, yeah. that has to be a part of why that was, you know, one of your favorites. Yeah, sorry, I, I, sorry, continue. Uh, yeah, I didn't care because people have opinions. At the time, people were saying, ah, I want to go. And he's nice, but, you know, AJ, why, my close friends, they say, AJ, why you want to wear all this kind of money now? Wandeko is not that hot right now. I'm just like, it's Wandeko. You know, if he make a drop song, make a new drop song, it no matter. Like, this guy is the always going to, yeah, he's always going to be hot. Like, he has tracks. And, they, and people also spoke to me based on he had his own Toronto concert. Like, yo, people already went to his concert. Do you think they want to come and see him again? You know, so many talks. But I did not care. I didn't care. I booked him. And Caravan Extreme is usually my signature party every year. So when he got on stage to perform that one song, as we agreed upon, the energy he got from that stage 
Wanico was on stage for like 20 minutes. <laughs> he did not believe it. He didn't believe it. He got on stage and everything just went through the roof. And he started performing and everything went to the roof, man. Even the venue people, stuff I did not pay for. They were busy dropping like uh, uh, smoke everywhere. It was just <laughs> sensational. I'm telling you, they, they, were doing, they were doing lights, they were doing smoke. We didn't pay for that, but it was sensational. They had to do it because the energy was went through the roof. The performance was amazing. Like He, he killed it. And everybody singing. Um, and I'm just like, yeah, we didn't pay enough. We didn't pay him enough for that. We paid him for a guest appearance and one song, and he was on stage for 20 minutes, and there was no single dull moment. Um, by far the biggest and best event I ever did. And we went on to 4 a.m. The venue extended wow. the party for us for another one hour. Wow. So people got tired of dancing and went home. So we, it's not like the party ended. They just got tired. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how that's how dope it was. Wow, that's mad, man. I can't believe I missed that. Jesus. I can't believe you missed it either, my brother. <laughs> I can't get that experience that's, back. That's on me. That's on me. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so what about, okay, hosting? Uh, like, you know, maybe now you're not doing the whole organizing. We are really focused okay. on hosting. I, if, if that's different from it, if not, we can switch gears. Oh, it is different. I, I, like I told you, I have one billion stories about hosting. Um, so that one I just spoke about was my event. That's why it obviously was more special to me. Right. Um, in terms of hosting, Adekule Gold and his management, they came by themselves. Nobody brought them at the time. They, they, they paid for everything by themselves. Um, mm. So he reached out to me on Instagram by himself. Really? I swear to you. He, he does me. come up as that kind of guy, though. You know, does, yeah, he's very down to earth guy like this. And the first day, I'm, I'm looking at my DM like, that's Adegule Gold DMing me. I'm like, ah, if Adegule Gold can message me a concert, uh, that's it, bro. Nobody else can tell me shit. So he messaged me, asked me my, for my fee. I told them they did not even negotiate, they accepted it. And he told me that, oh, he likes everything I'm doing and he wants me to help him promote. I'm like, you got, you have 2 million followers. I have 2,000. How am I going to promote for you? <laughs> so, but, you know, I did everything I could. I did everything I could because everything was very, everything was very uh, quick. Ridiculously good. That's another thing. Um, I'm not sure, maybe just because they were busy at the time. I wasn't even sure he was still coming because the energy was very low and everything. But in like one week, we picked everything up in less than a week, in fact, just a few days. They, they sent me my deposits. They sent me all the information. He started promoting. He was asking me what he needed to do to get the you know, Canadian people going. I told him, yo, make a video, drop a video, drop videos. You know, let people know, let them see your face, not just a flyer. So we had a whole communication thing going on. Um, him, Me, him, and his manager, always, we were always talking. Um, but that was not even the sweetest part. The sweetest part about Adekunle Good coming to Toronto was was the concert itself. Um, I have videos on my, my phone that I just go back and I play. I play those videos for inspiration. Um, people were crying when this guy was performing. Um, and there's, I don't think I've ever seen any, any Nigerian artist do that in Canada. Um, mm -hmm. People were crying when he was performing. He was so emotional. He, he had full control of the crowd. And it was, not a, it was not a big crowd too. It was a small venue, but it was full. And it was just sensational. People were crying. He had control of the crowd from the beginning to the end. 
in, in the break, he took a break in between his con- uh, in between the, the show and Mologo came and performed. You know, imagine Mologo is performing at the intermission of the show. Like, that's crazy. Um, and he had a live band. The show it blew me away. I didn't see it coming. All of us at the back of the stage were like, yo, what is going on? What did, what did it happen? We did not expect it, bro. We did not expect it. The, the crowd, they were there for him. Girls actually love this guy's music. I, I think for me personally, he's, he had the best performance uh, of 2019. Um, him and then Bonaboy, but but I think Little Gold's performance was different. The the sad part is there were not enough people there to go out into Toronto and make noise about it. Right. Um, but but it was a very good performance. It was really good. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's that's beautiful, man. That's a, <laughs> I, beautiful. I wasn't I wasn't sure what to expect, but that's 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 great. Um. So I'm um, I'm curious now, like you know, how you got into organizing and hosting events. You know, I think the typical way most people are aware of is that you know you're involved in parties at the events at uni, and mm-hmm. things typically evolve from there. Is that what you did, or did you have a different path? Um, I had a different path to be honest. Um, okay. There are many reasons why I got into promotion. Uh. I don't know. In high school, one of my aunties used to call me an organizer. <laughs> I guess it's some somehow it's always been there in me. You know, sometimes I'm just in high school. I'm just chilling. Guys make my me say, "AJ, you have to be the one to put it together. You have to be the one to put up this put up put together this soccer tournament. You, should, you know, it has to be you." And I'm not the strongest guy. I'm not the biggest guy, but they they always give me that you know that task that task to be the guy to put it together so um I, I always find it interesting to you know put you know these djs these mcs the security who's the bar girl who's that i, I find it interesting other people find it stressful they don't want to do it they do want small birthday celebration and they, they hate everybody um but <laughs> but, I, but i do it and, I, and i'm usually composed when i do this type of stuff you know um so it, it's always been there but promoting um, I just, I, I got, uh, you know, when it's, when it's, when I started, I was broke. I needed some money. I needed something quick. Um, yeah, I think it was K money at the time. K money was the first guy that gave me tickets to sell and he did not even come to the party. <laughs> he was not even in the country. He just gave me tickets. I didn't go and sell it. So I started finding ways to sell tickets. I was messaging everybody at the time. It was, it was, you know, social media is not what it, what it is right now. Um, so I just started messaging people, calling guys like, yo, bro, this party is happening. It's going to be dope. Even though I didn't even know what I was going to, I didn't even know who was going to DJ there. I didn't know nobody. So I just tried and I sold a bunch of tickets. Um, and then I realized that, yeah, I actually like this. I like this. I like this whole ticket thing. And then I started selling tickets for people. So I paid my dues. Sold tickets for people for some time before I went by myself and started talking to club owners. Mm. And telling them, yo, why don't you work with me? Let me let's do something. Let me try and bring some people to your venue. Um, and and you know, and I go for the guys that that were struggling because the guys that are big will not even they won't pick up your call. So I go for the clubs that, that are not doing so well, and I look for the owner and I talk to them, and they're like, Yeah, yeah, this is my number, you know, call me, let's let's put something up. And you know, I, I started finding ways to motivate myself. Like I'll promise the the, the, the club owner. Um, what they call a, 
they call it like a, a bar cut or a, a bar minimum. I'm telling you, right. the bar is going to make at least $5,000 this night. So if the bar does not make $5,000 that night, I have to pay him $5,000. And you can imagine if I have only $7 in my account and I've promised to pay this man $5,000 if this party does not do well. I had no choice. I had to be out there working every day and hustling and giving people flyers and selling tickets to make sure that this guy gets his five grand, giving out free tickets to make sure he gets his $5,000 and I pay the DJs and the MCs. If not, there's going to be a big problem. <laughs> so Crazy. I motivated myself like that, put myself at risk, you know, and then eventually he paid off. People started following me because of it. And I know I made a lot of good friends from just doing parties. Um, and and I'm, I think I'm going to continue doing parties for the rest of my life. No matter what happens, I'll always be an organizer. When I'm 70, maybe me, you, and the Kenya will open a billionaire's club. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, be, if, this, if I'm thinking of anything, I'm going to holler at you for sure. So that's, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's so interesting that, like, you know, you you find out, figure that path out. So it's almost like first it was just something you were trying to figure out. But it also yeah. seems like it's, you know, kind of like the way this music thing is happening. It's always been around you, something that you've been attracted to. Or yeah. or at least people have seen that in you and also approached you with that. Right? Like you yeah. said in secondary school, they're asking you to organize football tournaments. That's just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. That, that's beautiful, man. So it definitely feels like, you know, between this and that, you really are walking your own path. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm curious though on the um, on the maybe back to the concert front. How do you decide which artists to bring over? Like, how do you assess the situation and say, okay, this person will be a hit? Um. But speaking from experience, not everything worked out fine. <laughs> I've had some artists that we brought and we paid $12,000 for, and we did not even make up to $500. So it, oh, not are everything- you serious? Yeah, we've, we've had losses. At the time, I, I worked with so many other promoters. I didn't start on my own. And when right. I started, I, I had different teams. And then now I am I am the owner of AS Entertainment. I don't, when I'm doing events, I usually just do it by myself. Or maybe I collaborate with just one of my friends, and that's it. But I am in charge of much. But, mm. but back in the day, I, I know it's still a learning process even to now. You never really know. Sometimes you think because okay, let I'll give you for instance. It takes about five six months to bring one Nigerian artist to Canada. Mm. So imagine now we pick up. Let's pick a guy. Let's say Fireboy is hot now in Nigeria. Right. He's hot. He's hot all around the world. He just dropped his album. Everybody's listening to his music, and then we're trying to get a visa for him. We're trying to make payments. Sometimes the management is being difficult. You know, all of this stuff. Before you know it, four months have gone by, and the industry is so fast. It's so fast that in four months everything already changed. So, wow. lo and behold, four months later, he had. We after working your ass off, they finally give this guy his visa. You know, he can finally book the flights. And then, he then, you know, you need another maybe two months at least to promote a Nigerian artist coming. Two or three months. Because you have to book the club. Um, you have to get promoters, get DJs, MCs. You have to get everybody, you know, promoting the stuff, flyers, name it. So you need like two to three months to promote. So, okay, finally they have the visa after four months. 
Now you need another three months to promote. And when you approach this guy, he was the hottest thing at the time. So now we're looking at approximately seven months, eight months down the road, and his album is not hot anymore. And nobody cares about him anymore. They've already moved on to Joe Boy. They don't want Fire Boy anymore. Now it's Joe Boy that they want. <laughs> I don't know if you get me. Yeah, 100%. But, but, but at, at the time, because he was hot, he asked for $25,000 and you did your statistics and you're like, yo, because this guy is the biggest guy right now, 25 grand is no problem. People will pay. But they were going to pay that money seven months ago. They're not going to pay it now because Fireboy is not hot no more. Joe Boy is hot. So, so there's a problem. I'm just giving you instances. Ah, this, that's this crazy, is, man. This is, that's... Real life, <laughs> this is real life experience, yo. You're getting me. Dude, so, how are you sleeping, bro? <laughs> so you already, <laughs> you already signed a $25,000 contract with somebody that was hot eight months ago, and this guy has not dropped or made a hit for eight months. And now he used to be hot, and he has cooled off. He's just now, eh, he's, just, he's just there. But your concert is still going to happen because you signed this contract um, and he's coming. But instead of making $25,000 now, you're only making $5,000 or $7,000 because there's no hype. Um, and you've lost money. So sometimes the process is crazy. And people don't know this. They don't see it. They just think, ah, why are you bringing Fireboy now? He's not hot anymore. Right. But he was hot before. When they signed the contract, he yeah. was. Eight months ago, you were begging us to bring Fireboy. All of a sudden, Thank you. <laughs> you switched Thank the tune. Okay, so let like let's let's stay on this this aspect of things, right? Um, I feel like uh, there are a lot of challenges that we don't see happening, right? Like you know, even with Bernard, like um, last year, where he was supposed to show up that weekend, and then something happens, and you know, nobody knows to like one a.m. that he's not gonna show. The other time, force came, force came at like three a.m. <laughs> so I'm just curious, like, what are some of the biggest challenges you've had organizing yeah, events? Yeah. And maybe talk about when these artists, like, maybe, you know, when there's a hiccup in terms of them showing up after you've gone through the whole process you essentially just described. Yeah, it, it's, I won't even lie to you, it's emotional. It's very emotional. The guys that, that brought Bonar Boy, because I was the host of that event, myself and uh, MC uh, Ebon, yeah. Yeah, I remember. So we we were working with them, and they couldn't really disclose too much to us, but we knew what was going on. Um, and, you know, whereas everybody went on Twitter, a lot of people went on Twitter in Snapchat saying, oh, these people, they are fraud, they are this, you know, how can they say Bonaboy is coming and he did not come? Blah, blah, blah. Well, they, those guys, they tried their best. We were there with them. It, is, it was an emotion. Do, do you really want to disappoint I don't know how many people were in that room that day, almost 5,000 people. Do you really want to come out and disappoint 5,000 people? So, but people don't think that far. They just think, oh, these promoters, they are so rubbish, they are so this. So they, they really tried everything, making sure that they didn't make any mistake, um, making sure that everything was on point, but yet it still fell apart. They tried till that 1 a.m. They how does that happen? Trying. You know, how does it, like, is it just that like, you know, Bernard doesn't want to show or he's getting, you know, I think I heard something on the lines of he's having issues at the border. Like, well, you know, and those are things that they obviously can't control, you know? Exactly, exactly. So, but, you know, the truth is when you're, when you're planning a concert, so many, um, so many things have to fall in place. So many. Um, first is the guy even getting into the country. And then, um, you know, what type of person is he? 
you know, what we see on TV and what we see, uh, you know, face-to-face reality is almost always, in my own experience, different. Almost always. I, I can tell you for a fact, there are so, so many guys that sing soft music and in real life, they are gangsters. Like these artists that you're looking at singing love songs, love songs. And you see them in real life and you're like, yo, I can't even talk to this guy. He's so rad. Uh, they're, they're, you know, I'm just telling you how it is and it's the truth. So depends on the artist. If the artist is a nice guy, his management is nice and they show up and they're willing to work with you, you know, quick, quick, things will happen. If the artists show up and, you know, and they're full of shit, they don't want to do anything. You know, you're begging them to come out of the hotel room. Uh, they're making excuses. Or maybe the promoter does not put up the money he's supposed to put up. Um, so so many things can go wrong. Some promoters sign contracts, like we were saying before, based on hype. You signed a contract eight months ago for $25,000. You paid maybe $8,000 up front. The, the artist is here now. You are now owing this artist, I don't know, $17,000. After flying from Nigeria... And the guy does not want to perform until you pay him the 17000 And you've only sold tickets worth $3,000. Who is going to borrow you $14,000 to pay artists? Nobody. And, yours, and now the artist is in the hotel saying that he's not coming out until you bring 17000 And you don't have 17000 So, so many things come into play. Sometimes it is the fault of the promoter. Not always the artist or their management. Sometimes it's the fault of the promoter. Sometimes... You know, is the, is the artist. It's not always the promoter. Sometimes the artist is the management, or or they're they're full of shit. Sometimes the, these artists they will show up and they're so high they cannot even come out of their their room, and then they will make up a story the next day and say that the promoter did not put up the money, whereas the promoter actually put up the money. The artist was so intoxicated he couldn't come out. So, so many different things happen behind closed doors that we are not even allowed to talk about because it's not you know it's not nice to just start mentioning. Yeah, right. Um, but so many things have to fall in place for you to have a nice, smooth, a perfect concert. You know, the example now would be something like, uh, I'll say something like a Gold. They, they knew, they knew they had, they didn't have enough time to promote the event. So they booked a smaller venue. A Gold is big enough to do a big venue. Right. It's big enough, you know, in Canada mostly. But they knew they only had one week. So that's where logistics come into play. They knew they only had one week to promote this event. They booked a smaller venue. They made sure that, yeah, they made sure they had they had a hot MC, a hot DJ that's gonna help them make this thing trend. If you know, in a in a week, thank God, I'm a hot MC, so thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they knew they had to do all this stuff. They got a good DJ. They got a good MC. You know, they, they knew they didn't have they need they didn't need five DJs or whatever because they only had one week. They put it together nicely. He when he showed up, he showed up with his band. Everyone knew exactly what they were supposed to be doing. So you can see everything falling into place from the beginning. Right. They knew exactly what they were going for. They had a vision of, okay, we're going to get a venue that like, can occupy 200, 250 people. We're going to fill up this venue with 200, 250 people, and we're going to give them the best time. And they showed up on time. Adekunle God was one of the first people to be at the venue. He was at the venue before anybody. He did his sound check. He went to his hotel, and he showed up. He was at the venue. He was already inside his his, uh, his room, and he told me, "AJ, whenever you are ready for me, let me know." Damn. And I'm and you can say that again. I'm thinking, damn. Yeah, that's this, so impressive, man. This is a Niger- this is a Nigerian artist, and he's you know the concert is supposed to start at ten, and he shows up at exactly ten, and he's at the back. We they gave him uh, jollof rice. He's chilling. He's drinking water. He's pressing his phone. He's eating his food. 
the, the, his band, they are not rookies. They already know exactly what to do. They didn't practice. They already did the sound check, in fact. They didn't need to practice. He was, he was there. He was waiting till the, the venue was full. And I came to the back. I'm like, yeah, we're ready for you. He's like, okay. He knew my name. You know, it's, it's smart for artists to do such sort of thing because now I, I feel like I'm his guy because he's calling AJ Hafer now. And I'm like, that's a dickly good calling my name. You know, so it's not about money anymore. I'm just making sure that I am working for him. I'm making sure the concert is dope. Everything is in place. And it's not just me. The other people that, that were working for him too, because he, he was communicating with everybody. So you see that as an artist that knows his stuff. And he made things easier for everybody as well. He did not show up angry. He did not show up drunk. He did not make, he didn't make life difficult. And I was wishing I was the one that hosted him. But, but he did he did everything by himself. So, but right. yeah, because if impressive I hosted, as well. it, that that's also impressive. But imagine that's every what every promoter prays for. You host an artist that is nice, that is kind, that's easy to talk to, that shows up on time, everything is smooth. The, the artist is going to pull a crowd. The crowd is there. You you make your money. That's our prayer. But sometimes, you know, if all these things that need to fall into place, one of them is out of place. The whole thing can go wrong. So, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I feel like I've been I've been really enjoying uh, I've been really enjoying Adikimli Gold over the past couple of years, personally. Yeah. But this just has raised my respect for him to another level. Oh, absolutely, you know? absolutely. Just, yeah, that's 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 he, that's that's something. The, the 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 two days that he was here in Toronto is is the same. I used to see him as this good artist, but. That period, I was like, nah, I have to go back and listen to this guy a lot more. I have to watch him. I have to follow him everywhere. Because I don't even know if he was putting up an act. I don't know. I don't know how reach out. But everything he did was what you pray an artist should do. The performance was good. He showed up on time. He was calm. He was kind. He was respectful. You know, everything was smooth from start to finish. I I I I had I did not even break a sweat hosting that event. I didn't. I didn't break a sweat at all. The crowd too was good. The, his people came out fully energized to have fun and sing. They they it was a, it was a, it was a beautiful event. I, it was flawless for me. Okay, well, duly noted. Now I'm sure if anybody's listening to this, you know, next time I definitely go pulls up. I'm sure they'll be ready. You know. Um, yeah. I'm curious though. So, I feel like, you know, with the pandemic, a lot of things have changed, right? A lot of artists have had to hold on to their music because a lot of it's, you know, part of the promotion is actually performing it and being outside. Uh, so, for you, you know, with the pandemic slowly subsiding, things are open now. Um, mm. How has that changed your perspective on, you know, just organizing events are you cautiously optimistic you know we've seen whiskey recently sell out you know that kind of thing so i'm i'm curious i mean obviously whiskey is like the top of the top but yeah. i'm just curious like how are you seeing maybe organizing uh, a concert like in the next few months towards maybe say between now and the end of the year um i i don't think uh canada or toronto anybody's going to be able to pull off anything uh concert wise between now to the end of the year, I just I don't think it's gonna happen. Um, really? I think it's, yeah, I don't I don't think so. I think it's gonna be too hard. Even for whiskey one, I'm kind of a little skeptical, you know. Um, but when will the tickets selling out as quickly as they they have? 
Yeah, well, whiskey is whiskey. You know, he exactly he can sell everything in a minute. I, I'm just I'm a little skeptical if the concert is actually going to take place. Um, just because of everything we spoke about, things have to fall into place. All the restrictions would have to be lifted by then. Um, I don't know his visa process. I know whiskey. You know, because he's an international star now, they make it a little easier for him to get his visa. Um, when he just started, it was it was not the same. But now, guys like Whiskey can get their visas in like two, three weeks um, because they have a different status. It's not people make jokes about it, but they're not they're not the same as everybody else. He's not a Canadian citizen, but he can get his visa in two weeks. Yeah, he's gonna have Universal or somebody make the call, and it's to be fine. Exactly. <laughs> They'll make one phone call and boom, 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 and it's done. But, you know, since things are just so unsure at the moment, you know, I'm hoping it goes well. But I don't think there's any promoter that wants to risk it at the moment. Mm. Myself, I'm, I'm usually the guy that take all the risk. I already have, I've already done one party. I'm already planning the next one <laughs> in, in two weeks. Um, just because... I enjoy what I do. It comes natural to me. Um, and we're back to business as usual. Not even as usual. Better. Because there are more Nigerians in Canada now. So the market is better. And everybody's itching to get out. Oh, yes. Like no tomorrow, Maji. Like no tomorrow. So I'm back in business. Um, I, I have some parties that I do annually. And this this is a vision I had from four or five years ago that, okay, I'll do this party and name, give it this name and I'll do the same party the following year with the exact same name and then people will know that party for that name. Right. It, has, it has made my life so much easier. Like I put up a fly for Kevin Extreme today and in two, three, four, five days it's already sold out or something is sold out because... Are you serious? Because people... I was about to ask you. <laughs> I was about to ask oh, you yeah. if that's happening yeah. this year. Yeah? And tickets are sold out already. It is happening. No, but trust me, my phone, I just posted it now. I'm not even, I haven't even confirmed that it's happening yet, but I know it's happening. But people are already messaging me. People are messaging me for boots, tickets. So I know that, okay, yeah, we have another one. Another yeah, one messaging you here now. <laughs> I'm telling you, as I'm talking to you right now, people are messaging me for tickets. And, wow. I have, and I'm yet to even confirm it or confirm the venue or anything. So this is the process that's going to be, I think this is going to be the fourth one. So that's four years of building a brand, a name, an mm. event. Um, and the next year is going to be bigger and better. Um, before Corona happened, I, I already started collecting deposits in January for Caribbean Extreme that was going to happen in August. That was 2020. <laughs> wow. So people were already ahead of the game. They were, they were ready to pay money just because of the brand that we've built over time. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, you know, as things are opening up, I will do my normal annual parties and still try and make, make sure that they're good. Uh, for me personally, for concerts, I, will, I wouldn't do anything this year. I will look towards next year. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't know. There's some promoters that want to do everything. There was a time that it overdid it. It became so saturated that every weekend there was an artist coming from Nigeria and it killed, it killed the buzz. Right. Um, so for me, I don't like to do too many concerts a year or too many shows a year. If I can do two massive concerts in one year, or even one massive concert in a year, I'm, I'm totally fine. Um, so next year, I'll be looking towards next year, if I can pull up pull up one very good concert with a very a solid artist that I know has a lot of catalog, a lot of music, so we, we don't have to depend on the guy just being hot at the moment. 
Um, if I can do just one, that's very good. Planned properly and I cash out, I'm good. I'm happy. Okay, you don't need to say the answer to this, but I'm just curious. Do you have an idea of who that artist would be, uh, at least the ideal artist you would go with for next year? <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough question. No, I actually don't. Um, okay. Obviously, you you want to get one of the top guys. You know, right. Rem, the ones that have never been here because people like new shit. You know, Rema, Fireboy, Joe Boy. You know, one of the guys that has, that has never been here. Because um, because it's their first time, that's already one selling point. Right. Um, and then because they're also very good artists. That's another second point. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I'll I'll try to get me one of the new guys. And I don't and I li- I love the OGs. You know, Debanch. I'll if Debanch, I pray one day Debanch message me on Instagram and say, Hey Jay, you want to host me? It would be a it be a dream come true. I will mm. sell out that event like no tomorrow. And this is an event I know 100% that a lot of promoters will turn down because they think he's not hot right now. But he he is debanged today, tomorrow, and forevermore. <laughs> That's how I see it. If you right. give me... So some people that, would actually turn down debanged. Oh, 100%. A lot of promoters will turn it down. Like People like stuff that's hot right now. They'll, they'll tell you, oh, debanged is not hot right now. But I think debanged is hot every day because he's a legend of the game. And I don't think he's been to Toronto. And if he's he, a pioneer. I don't think he's been in Toronto before. If he has, they probably didn't host him well. But I would put I'll put up a proper concert for the bunch. I'll promote it very well. And just because I know the kind of the kind of artist he is, the concert would be huge. And yeah. he he will he will do he will do a crazy performance. His, his energy, oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, he has he has an incredible energy. Even now that I'm talking to you, the bunch is the one I want. The <laughs> bunch. <laughs> Fair enough, man. We'll, we'll keep our eyes open. I'll definitely keep my eyes open. And, and you know, I think regardless of who you pick, whether it's the band or any of the new guys, um, we'll be pulling up to that event for sure. Ah, amen. You know you're always welcome. Yes. Say my baby love to dance so. Make everybody give them chance. Yeah, she has the party down the heart. DJ Elvis bring them back. Okay, so I have I have a, 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 another thing that kind of ties you into your music, right? Um, have you seen any advantages of you know your hosting background while as you're kind of getting back into the music industry? You know the fact that you know DJs, artists, managers, like you've just been discussing. Are there any real benefits to it, or are they just two different lanes, even though they are kind of in the same uh, space? I would say I would say that you know it is a big benefit, but again, with everything I do, I, I like to just say that it's me. You know, there was a time I used I, I used to sell food in, in New York University, and I wasn't even a cook, but I was the one just promoting it and selling it. And I got so many people to follow me because they they're looking for food at two a.m. and there's this guy called AJ that that can plug you. Mm. But they they followed me and then they're trying to buy food on Snapchat. And then they're like, yo, this song is kind of dope. Whose song is this? And I'm telling them, yeah, it's my track. So I've sold food to one person, and that same person is now a fan of my music. So, uh, yeah, me being in the industry, 101%, it also helps my music. And my music also helps me being, being in the industry. The people that follow me just because they heard my song. But then they also live in Toronto, and I'm promoting a party. And it just so happens that they like to party too. Right. So then they will come out. So... 
to me, everything helps each other. So I, everything I do, I do it because I like to do it. I, I, I hate to want to force myself to do anything. Mm. And then there's some things I've done in the past that one day I wake up and the inspiration is not there anymore. I am not afraid to just drop it and move on. Um, because I don't want, I want to, life is short. I want to live a life knowing full of order, everything I'm doing. I enjoy it and I want to do it. Mm. So when I'm on stage and I'm hyping, it's because I want, there are events that they've paid me for that I wasn't feeling the event or I thought the DJ was not good and I did not even touch the mic at all. And I, did, and I don't care because I was not feeling, I didn't feel like MCing. So I like to be a professional, but me being on stage and hyping the crowd is also, organic. It's also yeah, it's also art, exactly. It's also organic. So if I'm not in the mood to MC, I'm not going to do it, you know, unless it's Bonner Boys concert. <laughs> <laughs> so unless the, the event is really, really big and they need me to be out there, right. even, when I'm, even when I'm sick, I will still try, try my best. Was that but, the case uh, for Bonner's uh, show? Yes, the second one. The first one, I was fine. I came out with all the energy. I was ready to rip shit apart. The second one, I was sick. I just came from the doctor that evening. They, wow. they took some scans. I was afraid I was going to die. Oh, um, shit. But I was on stage. Um, they, you know, I was, I, I was really afraid. Um, they found some lumps on my shoulder. I'm like, okay, what the hell is this? You know, if you go on Google and there are lumps on your shoulder, they, Google will tell you everything. Yeah. <laughs> <That> you, <laughs> the the worst and the best. Exactly. Like you're probably going to die in one month or some shit. So Jeez. I was afraid. I was sick. I didn't want to be on stage, but I had to be on stage. Nobody really knew. I was not in the mood. I did not care. I didn't, that, at that moment, I did not care for Bonner Boy, even though I, I love him, but I didn't care at that moment because my mind yeah, was You have your own care. personal shit to go, to go through. Exactly. But, 100%. But yeah, it is what it is. Um, but... Yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I just try to make sure everything is, is organic. Um, but yeah, yeah, they all help each other. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's 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 good to know. I think because uh, some, sometimes people will see that you're doing two different things, right? And the reason why I asked that question was, you know, there, sometimes there could be a synergy in these two different things that you're doing. And it seems yeah. like that's definitely the case here. And it also seems that you are approaching and pushing both of them organically, which I think is yeah. always a good sign. Um before we close this out, I'm just, you know, there are a few things I want to just pick pick your, your brain at. Um, are, are there, like, you know, just doing music in Toronto here, are there benefits or challenges to doing it here than in Nigeria? I'm always curious, you know, for someone that's in Afrobeats here, like, at these days, the holy grail is to go back in Nigeria, make it, and then, you know, go out to the wall. How, how do you see that? Is that something that's even appealing to you or... As far as I know, I haven't explored going back to Nigeria as much to do music. Um, but I but I know the system is set up there. This, 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 the system is set up better there for Afrobeats. You know, if I go to Nigeria and I meet the right people, aside from, you know, everybody in Nigeria wants to steal your money. Just first put that in, put that in your mind. So if you're coming from Canada with money and you're thinking you're going to pay people to do an honest job, most likely they wouldn't. Yeah. Um, they're my people and I'll be the first to say yeah that's how it is they still it's just the truth it's, it's just it's, the truth it's, whatever you want to um, do whether it's music house whatever it's, exactly it's somebody's, always, somebody's always trying to cheat you <laughs> um, so in Nigeria how I see it knowing a lot of people there 
you know, you know, just talking to people, the packaging there is a whole lot better. They have a better system, better producers of Afrobeat music. Um, you know, almost everybody that we want to work with as Canadian artists here, they are in Nigeria. They're all in Nigeria. The, the, the mixer and mastering guys, the producers, they're all there. Um, and when you are there, it's kind of different. You know, if you're working with Sproach face-to-face or you message him and he tells you to send $500 and he sends you one, one beat that he does not care about, um, it's different. It's totally yeah. different. So you being there definitely, I think, would help your creative process a lot more because you're there, you're seeing what's going on, you're, you're, you're telling them, oh, I like this, I don't like this. Um, the system is dead. Everything is already set up. The, the, the producers, the, the producer will already tell you, "Oh, this guy is the guy that knows how to mix my songs better." They will send it. Um, the, the videographers, they're on standby. Everything is there. Whereas here, we have to make do with what we have. Um, you know, as much as I love Flames, and I really think Flames is, is amazing. I really do. If not, I will not work with him. But if I was in Nigeria, there would be five, ten Flames. There will not be just only one Flames. But in, in Canada, there's only one Flames. There's only one. And if Flames is not making my track, I don't see anybody else that can make it um, because he is the guy. There's nobody else on his level here. But, but when I'm in Nigeria, there, there are a lot of guys that, that, that are hungry to work with you, not even just the popular ones. There are a lot of guys that know how to do Afrobeat and they're there. There are plenty of them. So you automatically you have more choices as an artist. Um, and all, I don't think I'm going to ever move, personally move back to Nigeria and live there. Um, because when I, last time I visited, I was scared for my life. Um, so <laughs> I don't think I can live in Nigeria anymore full time. I think Canada is my new home, my number one home. Um, but if I, do I want to go back to the motherland and make music and, and you know, I talk to people and make relationships? Yes, 100%. But I, I think this is where I'm fully based. And people do it differently. Malik Berry does not live in Nigeria. Malik Berry at the time was one of the hottest artists um, out there. And he lives in the UK. He, make all, he made all his, all his music there. Um, he, and he made songs for Whiskey. He made so much, a lot of hits from, from the UK. All of that was so well. I did not realize all. I thought at least he spent some time back and forth. I didn't realize. I mean, maybe he did to some extent, but maybe, sounds maybe. like most of the time was, you know, I, that's yeah. interesting. I did not know that. British boy, he lives, he doesn't live in Nigeria. British guy. So he, he has, Malik Barry has done it. He has showed us the way that, yeah, it's possible. Um, and even Whiskey, the number one guy in the industry, sometimes, most times, Whiskey is not in Nigeria. He's in LA somewhere smoking weed and he's making his music there. So, and people don't say oh, you have to go back to Nigeria to make sure. I, I'm not saying that if it works for you, great. But I don't. I'm not going to do it. I'll not go back to Nigeria full time and just sit down there because I think it's the air that's going to make me blow. Right. No, I, I'm not going to do it. If Whiskey can be in LA, smoke his weed, and make the, the greatest Afrobeat songs, um, you can do it from anywhere. But obviously, the process of making those songs. You, you have limited choices being an upcoming artist right. in, in Canada. Right, yeah. exactly. exactly. Even for WizKids, there's a key difference because he's established worldwide. Mm-hmm. So he can get anybody he wants. So, But yeah, that, that's fair. You know, I didn't realize Malik Berry did that from where he was at. Uh, but like, yeah, there, I feel like there's a couple of artists here too that, you know, yes. seem to yeah. be making the rounds and they're all based here. Yeah. Um, um, you know, speaking of, you know, making contact and like reaching out people, you your music, 
I think a track from Lost Files um, is, uh, is featured on It's a Crazy World, a Nollywood movie that's coming to Netflix sometime this um, month, I think, right? Or, no, no. Actually, It's a Crazy World, they picked up tracks, not not from this recent project. Oh, um, sorry. Yeah, because they just finished uh, season one, and they, they haven't even started season two yet. Um, but I'm hoping by the time they start season two, they will then look into my new songs. Because, um, but yeah, because I, I, you know, they used three of my songs for the first uh, season. Oh, wow. Um, That's awesome. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is awesome, honestly. And even now, like, I get, you know, I see the stats. I go on my Apple Music and I see the Shazams, you know, people Shazam the song, um, which that gives me joy because I don't know them. They just, they like the song. That's why they, they've gone to Shazam it to see, you know, who is this guy? Mm. So, you know, I've also gotten a lot of um, a lot of streams from Nigerians that already watched that show on the on the local TV, and now it's even going to then be on Netflix, which is which obviously you know more views. Close it up, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm hoping okay, more people will then get to hear this song and think, oh wow, okay, this song sounds nice. Who is this guy? So, um, yeah, it it has really helped so far, even without it being on Netflix yet. That's awesome, man. That's really awesome. Congratulations. Thank you, man. Bro, yo, thank you for taking the time. Um, I have <laughs> one last question for you. Um, this is yes. essentially part of the two takes uh, uh, segment. So I'm curious, when exactly is your next project coming out? You know, and, and what are you going for there? I, I wish I had the answer to that, <laughs> but I don't. Um. Again, since I manage myself, I don't have a manager, I don't have anything like that. I usually just decide. I take a lot of advice from my younger brother because the guy is my backbone, um, Elvis. So I I take a lot of advice from him. We're best friends. So usually he knows what I'm going to do before I do it. Um, But this Lost Files, I, I put it out. I didn't know what to expect because it's such a versatile project. And then I'm just waiting to see. And now I'm seeing how things are unfolding. Um, the, in the project, the, the song I thought people were not going to listen to the most, uh, listen to at all, are the ones people are listening to the most, which is Reasons. Um, really? Yeah. It's telling you, my brother. Why would you think that, bro? <laughs> I don't understand. Cause, cause, cause I, I, okay, everyone that knows me is, you know, people. most people that know me are Africans. You know, everybody want to listen to Afrobeat. That's true. And when I, That's actually true. And when I dropped it, when I dropped the, the project, people, nobody reacted to reasons. They, you know, people sent me reviews on different tracks. And some people that, you know, that are really deep into songs, they listen to the whole thing. Um, but I just like, you know, I don't know what to expect. And then now, slowly, slowly, people are starting to listen to reasons a lot. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to wait a little bit. And I'm thinking of doing at least one music video uh, on this project before I then put out the project I was going to put out originally. And that, the name of that project is 247. Um, it's crazy project, bro. Trust me, people are going to dance. Okay. So, and and is, is that what you're going for? Just kind of oh, yeah. outside summer kind of dance, Afrobeat music? What, what, what you so, know, give me, give me something to work with. 247, well, I, that, I picked up the name 247 from one of the tracks. Okay. Uh, it's a different project because me and Flames were working so hard at the time that it felt like we were already big in the industry, but this was quite a time. Everybody was locked in, and every day, me and this guy, we were recording. 
247. <laughs> so um, the, the, the project was just based on the vibe that we're catching at the time. And then I have a song on there that is called The Last Song. Um, it, because, you know, now you're, you, you said on this podcast that a lot of my songs are about babes. On 247, I really did switch it up. I really did. Interesting. So the, 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 you know, the first track of the project had nothing to do about with any girl. It's the name of the song is Prove. I'm telling everybody I'm going to prove myself to them. Mm. And the last track is called... <laughs> the last track is called Last Song, and then I'm giving people the instances that, okay, if this was my last song, just know that I tried my best. Just know that I did this. I did this. These are the sacrifices that I went through um, when I was making music. That's what Last Song is about. Nothing to do with, not, okay, no, there's a verse I spoke about a babe, but really it was not centered around, you know, babes and, and, and love. Right. Um, so it's a versatile project. I have some party tracks on there too that one, once they come on, you I made a song with Tommy Guns there that, yo, once you hear the song, you're already dancing there. So it is it is a very it's a very, very good project. That was the one I wanted to put out this summer because I, I felt like, yo, this project is gonna bang. People are going to just, you know, go nuts about it. But then it just it's just refused to come together. So I decided to put out Lost Files because it was over a year. Like I didn't put out any song for over a whole year. So there were a lot of people messaging me, telling me just put out anything, bro. <laughs> so I just did it for the people. If I can do one video on that one, and hopefully I pray it's the kind of project that will just take off by itself, um, and just keep on going. Uh, that's the kind of that's lost files. That's why I prayed. You know, it is. Whereas two four seven, I feel like it's a project that is just gonna hit the ground running. Like it's just. The hype is going to be so much that people are just going to get on it. Um, so the, the vibe is totally different. The energy from the two projects totally different. Mm. Man, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear it, man. This is really <laughs> fresh. For anybody that's not listened to it yet, go check it out. There's there's at least three vibes, and there's five tracks on this on this EP. Yeah. At least three vibes for you, man. Um, it's a really dope project, and Thank just you. you know, I think uh, I, like for me, just being new and like kind of learning all of this. It was fun for me to listen to. So I think a lot of people will enjoy it as well. Um, bro, thank you so much for taking the time, man. Like, it's been a pleasure. You know, I feel like it's, fun. it's been, you know, it's, it's, it's been significantly over an hour and, I, and it's just flown by. So um, <laughs> so this is great. I, I feel like I learned a lot about, you know, just some of the work that you're doing, especially on the concert side. I don't think... I thought that deeply. You know, I understood that there were challenges, <laughs> but I don't think I thought that deeply. So uh, yeah. hopefully people learn a little bit about that and they go download hopefully. and listen to it. Hopefully. hopefully. You don't sound, I, you I, don't I, sound I, convinced. I, no, I, I'm fully convinced. I didn't know I was going to like have this much fun on this on this thing. You know, I'm just like, you know, it's whatever. Let's talk. Mm. But I, I had fun, you know. Imagine me sitting down and venting to people about this every single day. You're not interested. <laughs> <laughs> You're not interested, so... Thank you for letting me you know rant to you, <laughs> and if, hopefully everyone is going to listen to this. Um, no, yeah, man. Fun as well. No, it was, yeah, no, it was great. Um, I think I think that context is absolutely necessary. I don't think you know you know people like you get a chance to share that with you know people people that are close to you know and they're like okay I know this yeah. but you know but everybody else are just there trying to buy tickets complaining about whiskey not having a second show like me yeah. you know now they understand what that takes and what kind of risk you know people are putting themselves 
to do to put that together. So um, I think that's absolutely important. And, you know, I enjoyed just hearing your story. And bro, it's been a pleasure, man. Likewise, Machi. Likewise. Big thanks to AJ and all of you for listening. You could be anywhere on the internet, but you're here with me, so I appreciate it. That was a fun conversation for me. From the Wande Cole story to the Adekunle Gold story, I enjoyed hearing the behind the scenes gist of what it takes to put these shows together. On the artist front, I could feel the passion for the music, especially his insistence on not being put into any box. He also clearly has an ear because not many people put that much attention into sound engineering and mixing and mastering. Those are for like the, you know, the audio files. Anyway, all in all, Lost Files is a solid effort. It's a solid first effort, and you should definitely go and check it out and look out for the next project he has coming up, which seems to be already loaded up and might be out sooner rather than later. You can share your feedback by writing to two takes in the pod at gmail.com. Too much stress, no problem. Follow me on social media at Two Takes in the Pod on Twitter and Instagram, especially Instagram. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say, your thoughts on the show, and any ideas you might want to share with me or the audience. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. You can find this wherever you find podcasts. And while you're there, show some love and give this five stars. This has been Two Takes in the Pod, and thank you for listening. At this point in time, she feel not get no worries. Watch her move her body. Fire dance a more. Fire dance a more. Fire dance a more. Fire dance a more. No water can cool her down. Fire dance a more. Fire dance a more. Fire dance a more. No water can cool her down. Take away her pain And when you think she's done She's ready to go again And she drop it down low Take it to the dance floor And she drop it down low